Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about retirement and how to think about it as a business owner and why you just might be better off without it and what to do instead. So really interesting topic. We're your host today with you, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Wainer. Welcome, Bruce. Morning, Rachel. Um, my first instinct was to say, hey, people, hang in, hang in there, listen to this, uh, keep your minds open. But I, I think a lot of people that listen to this probably already don't have this idea of retirement. Um, but there's going to be a certain percentage that does. And all I ask is that you hang in there, keep your minds open, uh, just listen to what we are saying, and then try to differentiate in your mind whether we are talking about the concept that you think of as retirement or maybe the concept that we're trying to convey as retirement, which, which I think that happens when I talk to people all the time you know, about retiring. They say, well, no, I just want to retire. I, I just want to retire. And I said, what are you gonna? What does that mean to you? Well, mm-hmm. I want to. I want to stop working, and then I want to do what what I really want to do. I said, well, then to me, that's not retiring. I said, exactly. What, what you want to do is you want to get a retirement check, you know, and then you want to keep keep having meaning meaningful purpose in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me is not retiring, and so that's what I want people to um, to try to differentiate in their life. What what the world is trying to tell you about retirement, what the government's trying to tell you what, about retirement, and what the financial services industry is trying to tell you about retirement, and what your thoughts of retirement actually are. I think that's a good way to keep your mind set during this conversation. Bruce, I really like that. And you know, I think coming into this conversation is really important to um, start off with a definition of retirement. So what we're talking about today in terms of the retirement that you're probably better off without is this idea that hey, I'm going to work during my prime years, these years between maybe 25 and 65. And then once I hit that 65 year mark on my birthday calendar, it's like a timer goes off and I'm going to stop working and I'm never going to work again at that point. And I'm going to retire off into the sunset in terms of vacationing, travel, golf, and I'm going to spend my my days in um entertainment rather than in a working capacity. And I think that's the retirement that we're really discussing today and what that really means. So um, let's go ahead and jump into this. Now, when we talk about finances, retirement seems to me to be top of mind for lots of people. And it's very simple just to put in a Google search about retirement. You're going to find a million things about what you need to do in order to retire. Is your retirement going to be the kind of retirement you want? Are you ready to retire? It seems like there's retirement communities, there's retirement activities, there's retirement everything. And retirement just seems like this buzzword that a lot of people will say, well, I'm saving for retirement. I'm building my retirement. There's just retirement is this kind of end goal in so many people's mind when it comes to finances. It's something that's on the radar a lot. But what does it mean for a business owner? And could it be different? So what does it mean? Could you be better off without it? And if so, what should you do instead? So we want to talk today about how you can make your life a whole lot richer and more fulfilling and more enjoyable without the, as Bruce, you said earlier, the world's definition of retirement. 
So today we're going to unpack the history of retirement, why it's a limiting end goal, and really what to do instead. Now, hopefully our objective is here that you're going to stop feeling frustrated and behind as many people may feel towards that end goal and be able to live more fully and have that life and business you love starting right now, not just someday in the future. So lastly, before we dig into the conversation, where does it fit in the cash flow system? Because everything lives somewhere in this whole journey of building time and money freedom, where first you are keeping as much of the money you make as possible, then you're protecting that money, and then you're using your wealth and your dollars to create more dollars and work for you to build that time and money freedom. So when we talk about retirement, we're discussing your end goal of your financial pursuits, your why, and what you're lining up everything else in your life to reach. So let's dig in. Bruce, let's first talk about the history of retirement, which is absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned this on an earlier podcast, and now we've gotten in even more specific, but um, in, this was really popular, popularized um, in the late 19th century, early 20th century, and I, I kind of framed it before, you know, before that time period, you know, people were really working on farms. They were working um, um, in businesses. There were not a lot of corporate situations where massive factories or massive uh, service organizations. So people didn't even have this concept of retirement. You just worked and worked and worked to provide cash flow for your family. And, mm -hmm. then, uh, and then you also died fairly early. Right. So, I mean, life expectancy wasn't that long. and you would just work until you died. I mean, there was not this idea that, hey, I'm going to plow with my oxen and be able to make money to have bread in these years. And then at some point, I'm going to stop. You just worked your whole life. Yeah, you worked your whole life. And in 1883, Germany forced everyone over 65 to retire and receive uh, a government pension. And um, they said it was because you were disabled from work because of age. And you were, um, you, you, I guess, basically, they were saying that you weren't valid. You weren't a good enough worker anymore. And yeah, which what's crazy to me about that, it was this, this whole idea, this mindset happened. That sounded like I said idea, but I did not. So <laughs> this whole idea or mindset, I'm not Massachusetts uh, speaking there. That's, that's all right. You're offending the Massachusetts. <laughs> there we go. This whole idea um, of... Retirement was this idea that when you got too old, you were no longer physically fit enough to work. You weren't creative enough. Your mind wasn't able to really be able to put in the, the sweat and the labor. And basically, the younger working years were the prime of your life. And as you became older, you just were no longer fit to be able to work. And so if you still were working, then you were preventing the younger people from being able to have jobs. And so you were actually a bad... Um, I'm not a bad influence, but you were taking from what the younger workers could have. And that's why they were forcing retirement. It's just fascinating to think about. Yeah. When you think about it, it, there is probably some validity to that because we were a, we were a physical society at that time. You know, oh, you, were, sure. you were working in, in jobs to produce something. We weren't a service based uh, economy like we are now. So, you know, you were building things with your hands, you were farming, um, you were providing services that you were, that were actually moving things because we didn't have the, the industrial revolution was just coming around building machines to do this. So you mm -hmm. can see where there's some validity to, to that. And then in 1905, a, the Canadian, um, a Canadian physician 
called the ages between 25 and 40, the 15 golden years of plenty. And once again, we believe that to be true because of the physicalness of your body between 25 and 40. And we see that a lot of times in athletics, mm-hmm. you know, um, people say, Hey, he's getting into his prime of his career at 25 in athletics. And then very few athletes are actually still participating after age 40. So right. that, that should show you that, you know, that there is a, some truth to that. So workers between age 40 and, and 60 were tolerable because they were, um, merely, um, uncreative. And, uh, and I'm not sure where that came from, but after age 65, the average worker was useless in their minds and should be, be put out into pasture. And yeah, it's so- just, it's crazy to think that um, we had this mindset that as you aged, you were no longer useful in any capacity, a physical or mental capacity. And, and that that somehow came about at age 65. And you have to also think that Back in 1905, I mean, that was over 100 years ago now. We're talking 100 and, you know, almost 115 years ago. We're thinking our life expectancy has increased so much now from that point, whereas at 65, that was basically the end of your working, your end of your life. I mean, in Germany at that point, life expectancy was in the ballpark of age 65. And if you lived that long, you were really in the very later years of your life. And now we're looking at, I mean, people living well past 100. I mean, not that that's average life expectancy, but they say that, you know, we could live to age 120, 125. Right. And then, and then here in the United States, we did, uh, during the Industrial Revolution, there was that period of time where retirement started coming up. And once again, even the Industrial Revolution, uh, working conditions were very um, intolerable. You know, they were very difficult. So it was very physical. But um, now you then had uh, more of a, uh, you had increase in wages. You had people that were, could save some money. And I, and I imagine the mindset started, started to come about, well, heck, this is hard. I'm going to put some money away so I don't have to do that. And then this, in the stock crash run up of 1929, um, there's, uh, we can talk about that in a different episode, but why it ran up. The stock market ran up to a high valuation at that time, but then it crashed. And then the government decided, well, we got to figure this out. And they did several things. But one of the things they decided to do was develop Social Security here in the United States, which was actually modeled after the, after the German government pension uh, in the 18, right. 1883. And so they used the same 65, and they also... Um, decided it was going to be a lifetime payout. But at that time, the, the payout for life expectancy wasn't going to be that long. Right. <laughs> now we've really changed. We've really changed because we've gotten older. And on a sidebar of this, Rachel, I can't believe how the timing of us deciding to do this. My father just turned 80 on Tuesday. I saw the pictures. That is fantastic. 80 years old, is that's a huge milestone. Right. And everybody's commenting about, well, he only looks like he's 60. Yeah, and my father works every day. He mm-hmm. he takes care of our wow. parish's cemetery. Um, he loves to talk to people that come and walk and walk in the cemetery, do physical fitness, but also come and visit their uh, their loved ones to their graves. So he stays physically active and he stays engaged with people all the time. And his health is in he's in tremendous health. Um, and so that's awesome. I feel like from my experience, and we're going to probably get to, well, not probably, we're going to get into this a little bit later in the podcast, but um, if he 
if he were put out to pasture um, because he decided he was going to work anymore, if he would have that mindset, I feel like his his physicalness would have deteriorated. And um, not only his physical, but his mind, as we've, we've learned from our research, that one out of five retirees actually say that they are depressed. You know? you know, that was just crazy. As I was doing some research in advance of this podcast, it was talking about just the um, deterioration of physical health problems contributing to mental health problems and how many people are depressed in retirement. And it was just really interesting. Um, there was an article in 2000. 13 that came out that said why retirement can be bad for your health. And it talked about retirement increasing the chance of, of suffering from clinical depression by around 40% and having at least one diagnosed physical illness by 60%. And it was just interesting. And again, we could say, is this correlation or is it causation? Right. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's crazy to think that if we have this mindset of, I become useless at a certain age Therefore, I am no longer able to contribute to other people. That is really bad for our physical capabilities, and it's really bad for our mental health as well. Yeah, when you have a, when you have a physical ailment, and physical ailments can start um, because you're not moving as much, you're not getting around. Um, I know this from experience. It, it wears on you mentally. And, oh, yeah. And that's probably where the uh, the mental ailments like depression come in. Absolutely. So let's talk about why retirement, as we're discussing right now, is a limiting end goal. Now, there's this book called Thou Shalt Prosper. It's 10 Commandments for Making Money. This was written by a Jewish rabbi, Dr. Daniel Lapin. I know we've mentioned this book on the podcast before, and we'll make sure that we have the link in the show notes. And I'm going to look up the year that this was published as well. Um, actually, it was in 2010, so um, not that long ago. But what's interesting is that it really talks about the unwavering and economic and philosophic or philosoph philosophical principles and vision of business and money. And it goes back to Jewish traditions and really what they see as increasing the potential for creating wealth. And now, um, without being um, any type of, um, you know, talking about one culture or um, ethnicity of people as being better or worse than other people, there's this mindset and there's this um, commonly known thing that if you are in the Jewish community, that typically you are, you're known to be good at making money. And it's just really interesting to be able to look at what are the foundations of that that are in the fabric of their belief system about life in general. And so what's really interesting about this book is that it goes through principles of how to see money and business as good and valuable. And the very last chapter is called Never Retire. And this was really fitting as we were getting ready to do this podcast as well. And so they talk about integrating your vocation and your identity by thinking of life as a journey rather than a destination. And so we can, we're going to distill a few ideas from this book, but it was just fascinating that the recommendation is to never retire in order to be able to create lifelong wealth. So Rachel, um, when you sent me this to research, I called one of my good Jewish friends um, to actually discuss this with him to, to get his perspective. And um, he said, you know, I really had never thought about that before, but maybe that's because we don't talk about it in our culture as 
as an exact thing. It's just the way we live. He said, you probably could have a better conversation with my father. Um, he said, but I definitely see that in, within our Jewish community that nobody really talks about retiring. He said, now, that, now what's interesting, though, is that there are some people that he knows in his community that do retire, but it's usually after some kind of life. And I thought this was awesome. He says life changing event, which oftentimes was an inherit a big inheritance, or it was a selling of a business for a lot of money. He said, oh, but interesting. Then, he said, but then what happens is the person uh, gets. So my point here is that uh, it, it wasn't like they were saving, 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 retire. It's like mm -hmm. some big event happened. And now they had a lot of money where they could retire. He said, but what ends up happening is they get this large amount of money. They think, okay, I'm not going to do anything for a while. He said, but in a while, they're not doing anything. And it's like they're like caged tigers and they're say, saying, okay, and now I'm going to start something else. He Fascinating. Says, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he sees that over and over and he, and he attributed it to their mindset. That is so, so interesting. And, um, I, let's go through a few of the points that they made in this particular chapter. And I think it's very fascinating how it relates to the idea of longevity and uh, also just being able to live your best life now and in the future. So one thing that they talked about was retirement should not be a goal. And they, they discussed this in terms of golf. And Bruce, I know that you're way more into golf than I am. And so I was really interested in that. Yeah, yeah, that analogy made complete sense to me, but I'll let you explain it. And then I'll relate it to, um, to something that's more relatable to me. But um, retirement should not be a goal. Do you want to share that? Well, yeah, I, I, I found this very interesting because, you know, he was talking about, and I, and I do play golf and, and I think, some of our listeners that play golf, whether you play it well or you don't play it well, you're going to kind of enter. Like the end goal of retirement is to build up a lot of money and then stop at this one particular point. Well, in golf, if you're trying to hit the ball, that would mean like you're building your swing back, um, a backswing, and then you go to swing at the ball and you would stop right at the ball. Mm -hmm. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't continue through. And so everybody that's hit a golf ball before would know that that just not, that wouldn't work. That would, there's no way that would work. Right. And yet, and yet the, what's important is the follow through, but most people say, well, why would the follow through be important? Because once you hit the ball, then why does anything you do afterwards be important to you? And right. so, so we're saying the same thing. So if the, if retiring is a goal and you just stop at that time, then why would anything past the ball be important to you or past retirement be important to you? I just so thought it was true. Great, yeah, it was a great analogy. It was. And it was talking about that if your goal is hitting the ball, you'll never make your shots. But if your goal is an excellent follow through all the way through the end of that swing, you'll hit way more of your shots. I'm not going to say that that's the number one only way to make sure that you um, hit a good shot in golf. But I mean, this relates to horse racing. This relates to any type of um, like martial arts or physical defense that you have. If you're thinking that you are just going to make it to the finish line only and the finish line is the goal, or if you are, they relate it to um, boxing as well, like punching. And if you were going to um, punch someone in the nose, you want to make sure that your, your goal or your target is like three feet behind them, not their actual nose. So you want to have that follow through that goes 
through a target. Or imagine like with horse racing, if the goal was to get to the finish line, they'd be stopped by the time they get to the finish line. My daughter was saying, hey, I thought they already won the race. How come they're still running another quarter way around the track? Well, it's because they made sure that their stride was fully extended all the way through the finish line. And so when we look at retirement as that end goal and the stopping of our work is that point where we retire and we're just making it to retirement, we're forgetting about living this amazing life all the way through the end of our life. And so one thing that they bring up as well here is that getting paid is a sure way to know that your work has meaning and value to another person. And we all need to feel useful. Now, we can do a lot of things that might, in our own mind, think that we're being useful, but the only surefire way to know that what my work is, is relevant and meaningful to someone else is to know, am I actually getting paid for doing that? I mean, I could, um, I don't know, sell classes for, I don't know, how to crochet underwater or something like that. But if if I can't sell that course because no one's interested in underwater crocheting, then that's not valuable. And I'm not, I'm in my own mind, I might be valuable, but I'm not actually being um, certified that I'm valuable by the dollars I'm receiving back. Yeah, I think, I think Rachel, if you go back to what you have said many times on a po- podcast, uh, dollars fo- follow value. Absolutely. So somebody's willing to pay you. And we're not just talking about uh, paying you directly. We're also talking about if you have a W-2 job and somebody is willing to pay you because you're, you're providing something for people, then there's value that. If you're, if you're sitting on the, on the street corner and you have a sign that says, you know, Walmart this way, um, but nobody's paying you to do that, there's a reason nobody's paying you to do that because Walmart knows that people can find their destination. Right. So, so you can do something post-retirement and you feel like you're helping people on the street. Hey, look where Walmart is. Or, hey, <laughs> you know, look, this is the, where the church is. You know, go this direction. And you feel like you're helping. But, if, but the only true way to know is you're helping is that there's so much value that the church <laughs> is willing to pay you or Walmart is willing to pay you. So I think that's a, a, a really thing to talk about the what value. What I found in kind of related to this is in the book where it, and this hit me like right between the eyes. Um, working productively means that you are caring for others. Oh, yes. And it says, and this is harsh, but it says retirement is essentially selfish. It is hard to maintain meaningful relationships with others when you are retired because you are concerned chiefly with your sh- yourself and it shows. And I say even good people don't realize this happens. And I hear this all the time with people that I think are really good. They will say to me, some of my clients, well, you know, we're on a fixed income and we're worried about it running out. So we can't do that. You know, we can't go on vacation and we're really, we really are worried about that. Or we can't, we can't go see our grandkids because we know we're on a fixed income and we can't, we can't run out of money. And I'm afraid that, so what, mm-hmm. what comes down to this is that good people are only thinking about themselves because yeah. they're like, Oh, I don't want to be in a situation where I run out of money. And um, I don't think people realize this. And the other thing I liked in this paragraph is that, some of the people's most involved relationships are in their places of work or with their colleagues at work. This is not surprising 
because mutual dependency creates ideal conditions for a meaningful relationship. And my, mm-hmm. and my good Jewish friend that I was talking about this, about the podcast, he also played professional baseball in the minor leagues. And then I, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I also played Division II college football, and I played all kinds of sports. And the thing that you miss the most, and you'll hear athletes say this all the time, is when they retire, what they're going to miss the most, they don't say they're going to miss the money the most, the contract. They say they're going to miss the locker room and hanging Mm. around with their teammates and hanging around with the coaches and the fans and so on and so forth. And you will hear that. And so it's, it's about these meaningful relationships. And athletes all the time are talking about how you know, they're going to miss that when they retire. That's the thing they're going to miss most. So uh, I, I think all this Absolutely. has validity to it. Absolutely. I think in anything, we need to know we're valuable to other people and we are contributing to the, the value of someone else's life and we're contributing to their meaning. And I love how you said mutual dependency because, I mean, isn't life about that? I mean, we can all think we're super independent, we're self-made, but we all need each other so much. And when you have people that you are giving to, that is like a breath of life back to you as well. Yeah. And I started this, I started this podcast and I want to make sure we're really, there are no absolutes. So example, you know, we have, we have society's definition of retirement. We have the financial services definition of retirement and we have our definition of retirement. And so here's an example. My next door neighbor, Tom, just retired from selling metals, mainly steel for his entire life. And he just retired. Now, Tom is also in recovery. He's an alcoholic and he doesn't mind me talking about this because he loves to share his story with people and help people. Oh, that's awesome. Why is he retiring? He is not retiring to disengage. He's actually retiring to pour himself into the Alcohol's Anonymous field to help as many people as possible. Oh, that's awesome. So his end goal wasn't to retire and then go play golf and go travel and go do this and this. His idea was to build up money, retire, so that he could go help as many people in the AA community as possible. So guess what? That does mean that he's not selfish. That does mean that Mm -hmm. he has purpose in life. It does mean that he's going to continue to get up every day and move around and, and, and find meaning, meaningful relationships. Yeah, I was going to say that's all about relationships. It's about contributing to others and giving value to them. Yeah, so let's, let's not, let's not uh, fixate on just absolutes when we're talking about this kind of stuff. Absolutely. And um, another non-absolute here, you were talking about your dad. My grandmother is 79, um, so she's getting very close to 80. And she's in a position where I think that's correct. I'm actually not sure. <laughs> well, no, I need to come back. I'm pretty sure she actually might be 89. I think she's 89. Oh. Um, she's still playing golf. And she is busier than I am in her full life that she's living. I mean, she's part of a bunch of different groups. And she's around people all the time. And she's helping co-chair different committees. And she's taking people to other cities for other events. I mean, she is, she's living a busy, a very busy life. And I would say that that's not retired in the traditional sense of the word. I mean, she's definitely giving and contributing this value to a lot of people all around her and maintaining those relationships. So again, yes, not absolutes, but I see that meaning and purpose staying 
busy with things that matter and having good relationships being so, so valuable later in life. Yeah. The okay. next, oh, go ahead. You go ahead. The next, the next uh, thing I think we want to talk about is experience makes more effective wealth creators and relationships. This is one of the things I did for a good part of my career because I'm an ex-teacher was help public school teachers here in Missouri retire. And Rachel, the retirement system here in Missouri is so good. There were times that I could help a teacher retire in the public school system here in Missouri at age 49 with mm. the set with the same net with the same net check retired as they were working. That's how good it is at 49. Wow. Now, I definitely could do it easily at 52 or 53, at 30, at 30 years of service. So like you get out of school at 22 or 23, you become a teacher at 52 or 53, you definitely could do it. 49 was if you were able to buy some service time, which we don't have to get into in the podcast. But even at 52 or 53, you're taking 30 years of experience and it walks out the door right when you kind of figure out, I'm telling you oh, yeah. as a, as a, as a first year teacher, you don't know anything, even though you have been prepared by your edu uh, your uh, higher education place, your university. And then as you go along, you just like anything in life, you learn more and more things to make it more, to make it more efficient, to make it better communicator, so on and so forth. So then we have all these really good teachers that just walk out the building at the time when they really have figured it out. And not only have, are you losing this experience, you're losing this experience that can share their wisdom with younger educators. Well, that happens in every uh, type of corporation and business also. Yeah, it was interesting just in reading the book and then also an experience that I've seen, you may not necessarily be still doing the work, but you might be able to consult or coach other people who need to have that wealth of experience that you've gained by your years in the job, in the work, doing this value creation for someone else. And it certainly makes you even better at that work and more knowledgeable. What's interesting as well is that um, one of you're you're talking about one of the lies of the retirement myth, and so the first one is that um, work has no value in and of itself. The second is that people become less productive and less useful as they age. The third is that people are merely consumers rather than creators. Just want to go back to um, work has no value in and of itself. What's interesting is that if we think of work only as for the purpose of making money, we don't think of enjoying the process of work. But what's interesting is that doing the work itself is meaningful, not only to us, but to others around us. And yes, certainly it's at the end of the rainbow, at the end of the um, work, you do want to know that that was certified, that it was valuable and have dollars be a result of that. You want to get paid for the work that you did. But certainly it's not just about getting the paycheck. It's about doing the work, vesting your knowledge and your intelligence and your wisdom and your in intellectual potential and capacity into the work that you're doing and thriving from doing that work. So the process is sometimes even more important than the end goal. And then what's interesting as well is the idea that people are merely consumers rather than creators. If we just think of people as consuming a paycheck, well, then of course it would make sense why if one person's consuming a paycheck, then another person is being prevented from getting that paycheck. And so therefore you're just consuming if you're a worker. But that is negating the value of the work itself. And we really want to think about people as 
and think about ourselves, for goodness sakes, as the, this creative powerhouse of potential. And what we can create is way more valuable than the dollars that we get as a result of our work. And so there's a quote in there that says, pay and profits are not the motivation for your work, but the validation of your work. So what do we want to do instead? We are talking here about why retirement is a limiting end goal, kind of where it came from with its historical background. What do we want to do instead? I'll cover a few quick points from the book, and then I want to go over and talk to business owners specifically because you are primarily our audience. This community at The Money Advantage is primarily business owners, and you may not be owning a business, but more than likely you do. And how do you think about retirement in light of your business? So what do we want to do instead? Recognize that work is valuable. We want to enjoy the work that we're doing. We want to recognize that you as a human become more skillful and capable the longer you live and the more practice that you have in your field. And this is what I see so many times that as, I mean, Bruce, your length of experience in the field that we're in gives you tremendous value. And that's one of the reasons that attracted me to you in the first place, uh, because you have that experience from from living a life in financial services. And the same, I think, would be said of any industry. When you have that time and tenure under your belt, you're in a position where you just have that much more value to give. And then recognize that you as a human are valuable, useful, a creator, and you are productive. Yeah, create, being a creator um, is, is really just valuable to society. I mean, every time I, um, I, I cringe when people start talking about, uh, well, you know, this person makes so much money and, or this corporation makes so much money, but they're creating. They're creating yes. things for the rest of society. Um, and if you stop those incentives to, for creation, then we are going to stop um, creating as a society because there's no, no uh, you know, incentive to do that. So let's, let's, get on, let's get on to these business owners now. Yeah, so you had actually sent me an article regarding business ownership and retiring and why that already creates this cognitive dissonance for the business owner who's built up this business. They've, they've recognized, hey, I am a producer. I am a creator. I am this this value that I have to give to other people that I can get paid for, that I can improve their lives and improve mine. I mean, that's kind of the premise of business ownership from the start. And so they're recognizing, hey, I've built this thing. I've built something that employs other people, that's providing a service to other humans. This is valuable. And now you want to talk about retiring what does that even look like and what does that mean? I think for business owners, it's a lot more complex than somebody who is going to step away from a job and say, well, I just don't want to get a paycheck anymore. And I think one of the main things that happens is when you've built up a business, I mean, I know from experience, as you're building up this asset, you're building up a brand, it's something that you're really proud of. I mean, this is something that you're putting your heart and soul into and retiring could, could mean if you think about it from the world's definition of retirement where you just walk away and then you, um, you're never going to be employed again, you could be thinking, well, that means that I'm just going to have to give up this business. I'm going to have to walk away or, or call it quits or somehow I'm going to have to fold this thing that I spent my whole life building. That just doesn't even make any sense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's once again, it comes, it, it, it comes back to meaningfulness in your life. 
So when you're building, they're building the business. Um, and fortunately with business owners, a lot of times, uh, they get this already. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to speak to the people that are maybe in the typical financial planning or they have a typical financial planner who's trying to say to them, Hey, you need to put more money away so that you can retire. So it's almost like somebody else is affecting them. We would like to say to those, and those business owners are listening because they're going through some trials and tribulations in their lives right now. Um, their, their business isn't working the way they want it to be worked. What we're saying is, why don't you shift your thinking and say, instead of putting that money someplace else where you can't get to it for this end goal, why not redeploy that money into your business to build the business and life that you love at, that, at this time? And then you can just keep going through that process over and over. It'll be more satisfying for you. Absolutely. And so we'll link to this article as well, but um, it's called, Does a Business Owner Ever Really Retire? And really, sometimes a business owner can be thinking, well, if I'm going to just retire, that means becoming insignificant. If I've built up this business and therefore I'm creating the significance in this world because of my business, then I'm just going to lay it all down and and become useless. And so really, when it when we talk to business owners, I think even more important than the retirement question, which we clearly don't believe in the retirement idea as a whole, it's most important to talk more about exit planning, which is how are you going to transition yourself out of this business at some point and be able to have the business continue on after you, whether that's transitioning it to a business partner or passing it down to a child, or is this selling the business, but having this business asset be able to continue on. And I think even for a business owner, that may not even look like getting out of the business at all. It could be um, selling the ownership rights of the business, but still continuing to work in the business, maybe as a consultant or a coach that is able to continue to provide value to the business. Or maybe it's having an income stream that comes off of the business and you are building this self-sustaining asset that we talk about where you have the ability to walk away and still have the business continue to produce where it's not completely resting on your shoulders as the person who's doing all of the work and doing the grind inside the business, but you are, instead you've hired a team, you have systems and processes in place, and you're in a position where now you can step back and still have the business continue to provide value and produce. And that I think is probably the the number one mark of success and satisfaction in building a business. One that you can say this I'm very proud of and it can continue on beyond me. Yeah. I, I have friends that are business owners and one in particular is an electrical owns an electrical contracting company for commercial. And I've been talking to him about this concept and he goes, you don't understand. He said, I'm just going to, you know, close the doors one day because I am the business. I get business because of my reputation. So nobody's, nobody's ever going to pay me for my reputation. And I try to flip the switch on him and say, well, no, that, that, that's exactly, that's, you're exactly right. But why can't you start to bring in somebody else every time you meet with somebody, every time you do an estimate, every time you you have a meeting with somebody and they start understanding that this person is just an extension of you. When I, as you know, at E3 Consultants Group, you know, we always have try to have two people at every meeting, just like the Money Advantage tries to have two mm-hmm. people. And it's really satisfying when 
when clients don't even call me anymore. They call Kyle or they call Connor because they develop a, a relationship with them even better than me. So you know you've actually done a good thing then because, because my clients are going to be served if I die, become disabled, or um, you know, eventually just leave the business or, go, or develop another business somewhere else that I can walk away and leave it in good, good hands with somebody else. Um, so yes, building the life and business you love, which we like to say all the time, um, doesn't mean that you can't walk away from everything you're doing. It just means you're walking away and doing it on the terms that you want to do it on. Absolutely. And so I hope this hasn't been confusing today. We're talking about the difference between retiring in terms of I'm just quitting any form of compensation or work for pay and I'm going to live off of this nest egg that I've created. And we've seen time and time again that not only is that bad for someone's mindset, it's bad for their physical health, it's bad for their mental health, and frankly, usually doesn't work very well for them to live a lifestyle that they want by working their finances that way. And so instead, what we want to do is think about how can we not only do work that we love today, get paid well for it, use that cash flow that we have to be able to put into cash flowing assets that are going to produce income for us and build our business from being just a self-employment scenario over into a self-sustaining business that can continue to produce income for us. And then you're in a position where you can do whatever you desire and whatever you love doing and you're doing the work because it's valuable and meaningful to you and to the people you're providing it to, not just because you have to get a paycheck. And so that's what we're talking about when we say build time and money freedom. You're having income from assets, but you're in a position where you're doing what you love and you're thriving in that. So as a result of everything we've shared today, don't set up retirement as an end goal. Instead, peg everything that you're doing towards, does it create time and money freedom for me? Is it increasing my cash flow today and my cash flow in the future? Now, when you have those things, you then are looking at profitability in your business, building a self-sustaining business, having income streams and an exit strategy in your business. That's what we're talking about. All of these pieces of building into your financial life that will help you on that journey to time and money freedom. Now, book a call with us if you're interested in finding out how to personally use privatized banking, which is something we talk about on the show regularly, or discussing cash flow strategies to increase your cash flow coming back into your life, or alternative investments that accelerate your path to time and money freedom. And you can get started by going to the themoneyadvantage.com. I should probably say that correctly, our own website, themoneyadvantage.com. The link will be in the show notes. And in closing, please remember, Success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, Click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on the moneyadvantage.com. 
If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.